Great events create great brands, and it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. My name is Alyssa, host of the Great Events podcast, or one of our hosts for the Great Events podcast. Um, But we're here to talk about what's been going on in this wide, wide world of events. Paulina and Rachel are both on vacation today, so it's just me. But I am joined by two amazing industry voices and guests for today's podcast. I wanted to introduce my colleague, Chris Justice. She's a senior manager on our enterprise client success team here at Cvent, and also Ben Quarell. He's the co-founder of Isla and Trace, the carbon measurement platform. So just a little bit of context of why we've pulled this group together today. We want to talk about this surge in interest to build more sustainable meetings and events programs. We've seen within our own customer base, I want to say over the past couple of years, but really within the past year and a half, our customer base is starting to ramp up their interest in this topic. And so we thought, what better way to share what we've been seeing out in the market, both in North America and globally, what's been going on with this uh, with this sustainability narrative. So to get us started, I'd love for our listeners to get to know our guests a little bit more. Chris, I'll pass the floor to you so you can introduce yourself and share a little bit more about your role as it pertains to both CVent and the sustainability conversation. Thanks, Alyssa. I am. My name is Chris Justice. I'm a senior manager here at Cvent, and I do focus on the enterprise and uh, third-party or agency portfolios. And really, my involvement with sustainability and sustainable meetings came about pretty. <laughs> we give the pun organically, <laughs> in the sense that you know we had more and more clients who were coming to us looking for advice. Obviously, they they run large meetings and events programs through our system. And we noticed that this is something that was increasingly important to them. And we we wanted to be able to support something that was this important. So we really started to dig in ourselves as a team that is supporting those kinds of clients. And really, it started out of Europe. I'm based in Frankfurt, working for Cvent for the last seven years. And I noticed that the European clients were particularly interested and engaged with this topic. And so it really kind of came out of our, our European team with our clients exploring those questions and starting to come up with some consistent best practices and solutions. So that's how I ended up in this part of the meetings business. Let's pass the floor to Ben. Ben Ben is our is a third-party pundit today, so we'd love to hear a little bit of your background too. Uh, thanks, Lisa. So I am the co-founder of Isla and Trace, uh, which is one of Isla's products. So Isla is the UK event industry body for sustainability, and we work with a range of members to help really drive the movement quicker to where we get to where we need to go in terms of sustainability. And Trace is a carbon measurement platform that we've purpose built to help organizers reduce their emissions, but also help the whole industry reduce their emissions. And my background to getting into event sustainability was I've been working in the events industry for almost 20 years now. And I was a production director for an experiential agency working on sort of brand activations for large scale brands. And I'd always, I came from Glastonbury. So I've like, I've been going to the festival since I was a very young age. I've always kind of been very aware of environmental issues and sometimes how the events we run 
a counter to those. And then I had a daughter called Ella in 2018 and took three months off parental leave when she was six months old to kind of step out of the work where I was and focus just on being a parent. And then I was asking myself what I would do if she asked me in 10 years time what I did to try and alleviate the climate crisis. And I realized my answer was to help brands get really rich while destroying the planet. And it was at the time I think from Rebellion the front page news, they were you know protesting and I got quite depressed about the state of the world. And I was like, I can't continue to be part of the problem anymore. I need to be part of the solution. And so after lots of soul searching about whether to move industries, try going to work for Greenpeace or something like that, I realized that the best thing I could do was to use the skills that I built up in the industry to make the industry better, essentially. And so spent a long time researching what everybody does when they start the process. How do we do a sustainable event? What does that even mean? And went through a long period, about six months, where I then met my other co-founder, Anna Abdelnour, who was collecting a group of event agencies to talk about how they could collaboratively solve our challenges. And that really struck a chord with me because the United Nations 2018 report stated that where the planet needs to get to needs radical cross-sector collaboration. And Anna was like, okay, well, let's do that at the events industry. And that's the beauty of it. You can't run an event on your own. You need your supply chain, you need your clients, you need your venues. And so we realized quite quickly that the way to move the conversation beyond everybody Googling the same things and getting stuck at the same barriers was to essentially bring everybody together, pull together best practices, and then create resources and toolkits available for people to use. And Ida launched in September 2020 and Trace launched in April 2022. And we're now at over 150 members in Isla and over 50 organizations using Trace across the globe to measure and reduce their footprint. It's fantastic. I love the the personal note and nod to your daughter as well, because I think there is that, how do we plan for the future, but how do we do this for those that follow us, right? I think there's a big passion for many of us those that do or don't have children, but to figure out what what do we leave behind for the next generation. So I think that like personal note to your daughter is really not not only an interesting one, but a poignant one for this conversation. Okay, so Ben, I'm going to throw the first question to you, because you are working with customers, you noted the number of logos, the number of customers that you're working with here today. Do you find that sustainability is just a buzzword? You know, are we just capitalizing on this kind of zeitgeist to throw in a German word for you, Chris? But are we seeing actual effort here? towards movement and progress. I, I know that Isla is intending to do that, but are we moving the needle at all? Yeah, definitely. I think when when we were just about to found Isla just before the pandemic, it was very much a buzzword. And one of our frustrations and the reasons we created Isla was to move it from beyond talking to doing. And I think what we've seen now is that, you know, the level of understanding across the industry has grown a lot. It's still not where it needs to be, but there is definite action happening. And we're finding that agencies are getting asked about it a lot more from their clients previously it might be like can i just see your sustainability policy whereas now it's okay how are we actually going to make this event more sustainable and i think it's a knock-on effect of big brands making net zero commitments and spending a long time looking at their own operations and then starting to get into marketing and events teams and you know the big exhibitions realizing that they need to change the way they behave otherwise there might not be an industry in 15 20 years time so it's still i would say at the beginning of the journey for the whole industry but you really can see now leaders in the field and there's definitely a swell of movement behind actual action as opposed to kind of empty promises or 
greenwashing for you know for want of a better word do you find ben and, and chris this is a good question for you too that the either the policy or even better yet a mandate is really the impetus for the conversation i know that and and this is where I, we're starting to see the swell in north america as well it's been more of just the internal champions that have been trying to drive sustainable meeting policy and process but now there is investment or interest from the top down in the form of policies or in the form of mandates. Again, I'm speaking on behalf of the North American market, but I'm wondering, has that been what's been driving the European market so much farther ahead? Is it those policies and those mandates that are coming from a top-down approach? I'd love to hear Ben as well on this one. For me, what I'm seeing is that for, there's actually a cultural driver the sort of awareness of sustain, you know, the need for sustainability is definitely stronger within Europe. There is, it's a push pull, right? So from individuals who are thinking about this for themselves, what kind of companies they want to work for, et cetera, this is, this is not really so negotiable anymore. It's pretty important just overall. And then of course, what I think businesses have realized is that in order to have a coordinated response across the organization, there does have to be some kind of policy or commitment or something along those lines that drives the individual decisions that a company is making. So the desire for it and the push for it has been going on longer in Europe uh, than it has in the U.S. I think they're still quite far ahead compared to the U.S., but I think where we are seeing that momentum that Ben is talking about is actually because we're starting to see that groundswell turned into something that has structure. And that's really where we can start to move the needle because if individual people within an organization would like to be sustainable in their practices, it just doesn't have the same effect as taking that principle and applying it to the, the, the overall decisions that a, a company is making. Yeah, I'd agree. It's kind of, there is the top down, but also the bottom up. So what we found is that there's a real desire for companies to be better and to be a differentiator which is what's driving the education at like an agency level but then they're still beholden to what their clients want to do so often you know if they hit a barrier at the client level they might be like limited whereas when when clients say i need this to happen and this is like a central part of my event planning then then change happens a lot quicker and then you're finding that your exhibition organizers your large-scale exhibition organizers are then beholden to investors and there's a lot of investor pressure to drive the needle there and and their attendees one of the reasons why it's been so challenging previously to have a cohesive approach to sustainability is because the events industry is so fragmented and lots of different accountability drivers which has allowed people to hold their hands up and the agency go oh we asked our client it's client responsibility and the client go, we asked our agency to be sustainable and that's that's not happening anymore whereas Definitely, there's a lot more shared accountability these days, and that, that's kind. And the mandates are what's pushing things quicker. I think there are also shared definitions of success, or at least those are starting to emerge. What does a sustainable program actually look like? The metrics are starting to be a little bit more defined, or a little bit more, you know, tangible. In part because of the efforts that Isla has put forth, and organizations like Isla, it seems like there is a coalescing around what matters, and and even more importantly, what doesn't matter. Because there can be so much noise in a space that is related to sustainability. Right? We, we're all familiar with the term greenwashing, and we know that that is something that we need to be aware of. But I think the more we can align and agree on what does matter and what actually makes up and constitutes a sustainable program, I think that's what's actually going to move us forward. And that that generates a framework that's repeatable across organizations, right? Both large and small. 
100%. I think that standardization is just so key, which is what we've put a lot of effort into so that people don't have to spend all the time trying to define what sustainability is and they can spend more time actually becoming more sustainable. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit of that standardization, Ben. How could you see technology actually assisting in that regard? I think, you know, you're similar to the Trace platform, which is, which is relatively new to Isla. I don't actually know how old that is for, for your organization, Ben. Can you comment on that? We started building it two years ago and it launched in April this year. Yeah. So I, I think my question is, how can technology really assist in some of the pitfalls that we're experiencing, right? How can, how is technology a driver and a change agent for this, for this mission? And Chris, I'll pass that to you because you see this on, you're on the front lines of how Steven is kind of driving that change, even if in its infant stages. That's great. I'll, I'll dig into it a little bit from the CVAN side and then I'll, I'll sort of, it'll be a perfect transition to talk, for Ben to talk about the pieces where we start to see the results and then kind of that iterative process. So one of the things that, you know, for example, the CVAN platform would be used for is in order to track what is being done and in order to drive certain behaviors at scale. So, you know, different pieces of technology. And the funny thing is it really is an ecosystem. Different pieces of technology are an important part of an overall sustainable meetings program. So for Steven, you know, getting in even the basics, which are pretty similar to a strategic meetings management program, like what meetings are happening, what format are they in? Who is putting them on? Uh, where are people coming from? All that kind of information is something that gets you know tracked in CVAN simply by virtue of planning a meeting, registering a meeting, sourcing a meeting, registering attendees, asking them information about their arrival and departure, and so on. All of that stuff gets you know put into CVAN anyway, which is a, a lot of really great information to use when you're starting to understand you know what the what the impact of your program is. And then in addition to that, it's, uh, it's also an opportunity to drive behavior at scale. So, for example, many of our clients will work with multiple agencies, and it's, it can be difficult to just tell all the agencies, hi, we would really like you to be sourcing to uh, eco-friendly venues or venues that are certified sustainable or something like that. You can ask them or you can require it. Right. And you you can require it more easily with technology. So putting things like policies in place that require you to source to a certain number of sustainable venues every time you do sourcing on behalf of the organization or changing search algorithms to prefer meeting space that is in a you know, sustainable venue or, or a certified venue. So essentially using the tool in order to do things like that or even send information to stakeholders who are putting on a live meeting, which we know has a larger footprint than a virtual meeting and automating that allows you to essentially take a program and automate large pieces of what is needed to move the, the needle at scale in terms of a behavior across an organization and across agencies that are supporting an organization and so on. So then what you end up with is you have some modified behavior and you have a lot of tracking and a lot of data where then somebody like uh, like Ben is really important is then what do you do with that information? So I'm going to let him keep talking about that. The whole point of technology on a broader level is to make it easier for people to do things, right? So it's the same in technology with sustainability and the beauty of what it can allow you to do. So the whole idea behind Trace is how can we make it as easy as possible for event planners to capture the data they need so they can make better decisions to reduce their footprint. And whether that's cutting in with organizations like Cvent, where you're pulling data from registration platforms, you know, as, as we'll see over the next five to 10 years, there'll be a lot more 
evolution in that space and a lot a lot of it is around kind of integrations and automations and it's trying to ensure that we can make it as easy as possible for people to make better decisions and give them the guidance they need to make those decisions. I can echo that from the client side too. We've met with several large enterprise organizations where their number one priority is how do we inform our decision-making process with better data-driven conversations? How do we not just and I think many of the organizations we work with right now are just trying to understand baseline metrics. What am I doing today? How can I impact change in the future? That to me is kind of the overarching where we are in the current maturity of our organizations is just trying to get a handle of what does today look like? But the future to me is where we start to make more data-driven conversations because we've captured, we understand the baseline, we understand what good could look like in the future because we know what today looks like. So I find it very interesting. Data really is at the heart of all of this. It's an iterative process, right? In the sense that it can always be improving. And so there's this sort of feedback loop that ideally develops with what you're seeing come out of, uh, of for example, platforms like Isla that show you where you're headed <laughs> and, and maybe an alternate path, uh, essentially, in, in, at an event level, but obviously also at a program level. Right. And then ideally at a meeting with industry level um, so that we can continue to improve places where we know we can move the needle a lot. There are definitely parts of a meeting that have a much greater footprint than others. I mean, one that immediately springs to mind is travel and, and things like that. So I'm excited about what it means, but we're definitely at the beginning. Chris, you, you mentioned this in uh, your previous answer, and I kind of wanted to touch on this because it's, it's coming into alignment with this prioritization conversation. Is there a place for virtual meetings and events as part of this conversation? And if so, where is that? I know Ben and I have actually talked about that in past conversations as well. But is this important for us to think about? And if so, why? Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I mean, obviously, virtual meetings are a really important factor in making sure that, you know, you're in understanding your overall footprint and reducing it because we do know, I mean, it's just a fact that live meetings overall tend to have a much larger carbon footprint than a virtual meeting because of the travel. <laughs> obviously, if you then also decided to send around swag all over the world because you're having a virtual meeting, then, you know, you may be erasing parts of those benefits. You know, overall, let's say, you know, you're just having the meeting virtually, then yes. But it's really not a question of simply eliminating live meetings either, right? It's a question of finding the right balance that allows you to still achieve what you're trying to achieve. And so virtual meetings absolutely have their place, but it's very unlikely that there'll be a complete replacement for live meetings. And one of the reasons is because of the different purposes that these meetings can serve. So, you know, for virtual meetings, I generally tend to you know make the recommendation that these are very good when you would like to mostly share information in one direction for the most part. Those are like, that's an easy one. That one is definitely going to be a virtual meeting. Or of course, they can be really good if you'd like to do a hybrid model where you want input from across the globe or something along those lines, takes more planning, but can reduce travel. Um, so it opens up more opportunities for you. And then live meetings, they're really about human connection. That's the power of a live meeting. Ben and I were talking about that recently um, when we met live because the way that we were able to talk then, as opposed to, for example, a virtual meeting, we would have probably needed three or four times to talk in the amount of information we were able to exchange for about, you know, about 30 minutes just talking live. So yeah, I do absolutely think that they have a very important place, virtual meetings in an overall meetings and events program that 
operate sustainably, um, but they are not a replacement entirely. I think that would be a bit of a mistake long term. Super valuable perspective. Ben, anything to add on that one? I just agree that when you look at strategies for reduction, they are a very good option for some of your events. But the whole point is that they can't replace all of them. And also, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to run some events virtual now so I can forget about everything else I need to do because it is obviously the whole waste issue of live events as well as the emissions. So yeah, just kind of adding on to what Chris said. And then just to touch on something Chris mentioned in the previous answer about how to how data can help at an industry level. And that was part of the reason we launched ILA and the way that Trace works, how it does is so that once you have a large enough data set of events from various different types, you can make a much more accurate model of what the emissions of the whole industry takes up and then how to look at how you can lobby to change the infrastructure requirements to make sustainable events easier to deliver because we do have these infrastructural barriers that events, as we kind of found out in the pandemic, has often been like a hidden sector because it supports every other sector. So by shining a light on how it supports all these other sectors, but also how it's a sector in its own right, you can start to put benchmarks against different types of events, but then also put pressure on the government, like large-scale infrastructure changes that need to happen to help drive those emissions down, as well as supporting people on a company, an event-by-event basis to help with their reduction plans. Absolutely. Okay. Well, with that, I would love to bring us into to wrap things up and to summarize things. And I, I hate to use another pun, but I feel like we're just at the tip of the iceberg here, right? So where are we headed in this? What's next? Chris, I'll start that with you. What's immediately next, I think, is is a baseline. We're headed in that direction. We we just started uh, really a starting. We're really starting to see a consolidation across multiple different areas of people trying to do the same thing in order to have some consistency. So that's what's immediately next. Um, I think the other thing that we'll start to see is an increasing pressure on agencies and corporations, uh, meetings departments to include sustainable uh, sustainability in their fundamental planning of meetings, where um, it will become table stakes. So uh, rather than something that's uh, an add-on or or we've just learned about this. So those are my predictions. Education and measurement. So if you look at the sustainability literacy level of the industry now compared to two years ago, it's come on so much. But still, in two years' time, it'll be so much further along, which means that when everybody's able to have conversations at a much higher level of education, it means that people can't get away with any greenwashing anymore. So, you know, all people will, will just get found out. So instead of people thinking, oh, I'll just cut corners or something like that, or, or people not understanding enough to, to think they're being sustainable and their efforts going in the, the wrong direction, because you've got that data to inform those decisions, because you've got that education levels within the industry, it will just become so much easier to you know, drive the movement forward. Right. And the availability of conversations like this. I sat in on a webinar last week, right? Like we can no longer claim the ignorance card because the information is out there. It's consumable. It's free. And there is a clear effort to consolidate, to coalesce around these, these big, big targets that we're all, we're all trying to achieve. So with that, I would love to thank Chris and Ben for joining us on the great events podcast today. You both were wonderful guests. I very much enjoyed this conversation. And listeners, we hope that you enjoyed the chat today as well. 
um, and found some inspiration or perhaps just some key trends and takeaways that can inspire your own programs as you work towards a more sustainable program and a more sustainable future. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by CVEN. If you want more resources on how to make your events great, go to community.cvent.com. That's community.cvent.com. Or if you've got a question for us or just want to say hi, email us at greatevents at cvent.com.